0: You're listening to you're Force, listening Force Fed, Fed Digital. BXU Heart. What's going on? What's going on? It's your boy Kingsbridge Rich, and you're listening to the My Bronx Story Podcast. Thank you for joining. I appreciate all your support. It's a vibe, man. It's a vibe doing this thing, man. This is therapeutic. Get to talk with your guys and kick it. And uh, we delve into so much. So I want to thank you first off for you guys being on this journey with me. I truly appreciate it. And I'll take every opportunity to interact, man. I've gotten to meet people who share the same perspective and people who challenge my perspectives on life but these experiences that we get to kick it about you know these are intended to make us build so on that note let's laugh let's continue to tell these stories and um today i will share some experiences in a podcast episode having to do with something that should resonate with a lot of people in these urban spaces that us black and brown people live and um we see it in our educational system we see it in our families so um And it's something personal for me, something that is uh, experienced in my own family and myself. So today, the title is going to be called The Urban Neurodiversity, Thriving with ADHD in the Bronx Experience. So we today are talking about neurodivergency and more specifically ADHD. So again, thank you for joining me on another episode. And um, we're going to kind of dive right in, but it's not something that Goes too far from my even personal and now experiences because ADHD is not something you just overcome. It's something you learn to deal with. And as I speak to you now, the latest uh, ADHD flare up, it's a daily thing, but I'm talking to you guys with one functional hand because recently on an on a, on a otherwise enjoyable bike ride called the Tour de Bronx, a bike ride that occurs every year, and uh, where over 4,000 cyclists gather and ride some riding for causes. I decide in my excitement and me being who I am, at the core, a person who has ADHD, I decide to do tricks like I'm young. And so one of those tricks put me over the edge. And when I say over the edge, over the edge of my handlebars. I flew over into a massive crowd of like 200 people. Um, And not that it just felt like that because of the embarrassment. These are thousands of cyclists gathered. They come for this. And I've done this over 10 years. I I ride fixed gear bikes, track bikes. Uh, My wife does as well. And we just wanted to hang out and and chill. But it wasn't enough that we had good weather. It wasn't enough that I took the bikes out and, you know, we polished them up, got air in the tires, took them in the truck into New York, you know, and met up with all this energy and listened to the music and said uh, it wasn't enough, right? I just had to go ahead and start trying endo after endo. And I just didn't get the right endo out. And ADHD took over. And the distractibility, the the hyper-focus on getting the right endo comes out. And before you know it, I'm a lot further over my bars than I know I should be. And I do the Superman. I belly-splashed the floor and rolled over in, you know, a B-boy move. But it was instinctive. I tell you, it was not planned. I fell on my hand, and my hand completely went numb. And so I had what looked like the doctor's uh, gloves that you blow up and yeah, I was working with one of those. And so thank ADHD and and that being one of the many ways that it comes out. And so it was really stupid of me to do that. I should be much more mature and just kind of enjoy the ride and chill. But I'm kind of a high risk, high reward type of person too. And um, try to make the best out of it. In fact, we finished the ride anyway. I took the pain in. I was working off adrenaline pay for it the next day i'm here taking x-rays in the hospital your boy's good though we are right. but this really ties in to maybe some of the humorous sides whatever way you want to call it but adhd is something ever present and there's so many ways that it plays out and and if you're like me you might have gotten diagnosed as an adult not even as a kid but we're going to delve into that um i am planning to do a live recording And I would like for you guys, if you're interested in all, please express interest through my IG. You can DM me and um, send me a message if you're on my TikTok. But just reach out if you would like to attend the live recording. I would be doing so at Canna Art in East Tremont. So we'll check my mans over there. Get a little setup going. Get some chairs out. You can chill. If you guys partake, you can feel free to do so upstairs. And uh, check out the artwork. And... You know, it's a vibe over there. But please, if that's something that's uh, interesting to you, I'd love to have your energy. It's just something dope about recording. I'm, I'm never by myself when I do these recordings. I always got somebody, and that energy is important. So, um, yeah, if that's something interesting for you, please let me know, and I'd enjoy to do that. And also, yo, I was just moments ago surprised with a hoodie. And funny, I was going to kind of kick it about merchandise. I think my Bronx story would look good on a sweater, so, you know, if you're a Bronxite especially and you rock with Bronx heavy, if you've been in the Bronx before, if there's a part of you that makes you think often about your Bronx story, you know, and you want to rock with some merchandise, then I could put some merchandise out there. But also hit me on the socials and let me know if that's something that you want to rock, rock with. I'll put it together. I'll get something on. Uh, my kids surprised me and they just gave me a, a hoodie for myself, too. So that was dope. And I'm going to be rocking that going forward. But um, if that's something you guys wanna rock with, then, you know, and I'll put sayings on it and um, just different things. But My Wrong Story, I think is a good little, a little, uh, uh, one of those attention catchers and, and do that things, but it's cool. I think it'd it'll, it'll be dope. But anyway, more about ADHD, man. Enough, um, let's get to the point. Enough with these distractions of Burberry at our hood baby showers. Somebody's Titi piercing your shirt with the capia. The handy bottle in the trunk because the neighborhood church you rented as your venue does not allow alcohol on the premises. They just allow the $1,200 you rented the space for, though. Enough with these Gucci booties and my first the Mary fit to take the baby out the hospital as your Uber driver teaches you how to properly install a child's car seat. If that's at all your priority, do not be distracted by the post-hospital photo shoots that make it to IG sooner than the photographer could edit it. And do not be distracted to how many goons we can gather in a dipped out pick, suggesting a strong force of implied support. Some of our kids are coming out really fucked up and we're paying attention to the wrong thing. And I say that as a kid that should have been diagnosed but wasn't. And we're going to get into the fact that there's many things that have to do with our community and our suffering that we can point to the lack of diagnoses and the lack of mental health. So, by definition, ADHD is one of the most common neurodevelopmental disorders of childhood. It is usually first diagnosed in children and often lasts into adulthood. Children with ADHD may have trouble paying attention, controlling impulsive behaviors, may act out without thinking about what the results will be, or be overly active. You see, For us, people like me, late 70s, early 80s, childhood, 90s even, we grew up at a time culturally as black and brown people where we were often not diagnosed. Oftentimes we were not considered to be a diagnosis. We weren't taught, we didn't learn or understand what these diagnoses were because we just were disconnected from our mental health. Many times our kids, me being one of them, had faced a troubling childhood, the troubled youth, where we've had to have these behaviors that were natural to us, beat out of us. Many of those beatings were beatings that came with an excuse that we were sent into school with, which is you tell them you were playing with your brother and it got out of hand, and that's how you hurt yourself and got that bruise, to hide something that was going on at home. And many times, the lack of mental health on all sides points to this problem. And this was a really messed up reality that we came up in. So at these times, we didn't have these open conversations about mental health. We were exploited by shows like Morrie Povich and Jerry Spinger, and our people constantly were just made into entertainment. How embarrassing it is to have these ailments when there's entertainment around things that at the core, these bad decisions that people make that become entertainment to everybody may well be because of mental health, because of ADHD. And so it's really real when we look at society and see what we're suffering through. But to understand ADHD and understand the disconnect between our parents, they just a lot of times didn't even use, like, their benefits, right? Like, we're the type of people, us black and brown people, that unless we're bleeding or we're in super pain, we don't go to hospital. We, don't, we go to the ER. We don't set appointments, we don't really deal with preventive medicine, and mental health was really not a priority. So our parents really didn't do it for themselves even. They needed to work. And so for us, the consequence is that we didn't understand how important mental health was, and we were understanding these diagnoses many times because of the reflection that we got in our kids, and that was the case for me. But really the thing is that our parents, because they didn't want to face it often, or they faced it very brutally. So a lot of times their way of facing it was an ass whipping. Was you punished you being punished for certain behavior. Oh, he just he just played too much. Oh, he just don't mind his business. You know, he just don't listen. These are really symptoms, you know, not problems, symptoms. But we don't see it like that because we're not conditioned to look at mental health. I mean, our generations have done a better job and we've come a further way. And, you know, I got examples of that even at home, us as parents with our own kid, we understand what it is to have an IEP. But the whole stigma behind mental health, generally speaking, was that you you didn't want to be, you didn't want to come to terms with that there might be something off or wrong with you. And that's really the way it was, not that you need a different way of living or you need to have certain strategies in place to overcome certain areas you might not be strong at, Right. There's no humor in that because people like to cut ass. You understand? Like It's really deeper than that. And so the whole stigma keeps people away from taking care because you don't want to be on that floor of the hospital. You don't want to press that button in the elevator and people see you and judge you because the floor of that clinic that you're going to. That classroom that's considered special ed. Nah, just just let me keep failing because I don't want to take that short bus. Everybody know what the short bus is. They say you have the helmet. We cut ass and we make it super funny. And even us now that we have kids that are school age, we deal with the bullies, and we're at a different time, so it pierces so much more. And a lot of these kids, they learn this from their parents. And then there's this other, this cycle about what we put our kids through because of our trauma. And so we never process that either. This is all still pointing to mental health, something we don't take care of. We have all the Medicaid and Medicare in the world, and we're still only using that card if we're bleeding or if we're in super pain, not to check the mind out before things are bad. You understand, we let circumstances dictate how we react and we don't proact. We don't think in advance and we don't have a plan. And a lot of times, what does that sound like? That also sounds like a person with ADHD, having difficulty making decisions, making decisions too late, having a hard time organizing themselves. So like, I started off telling you how ADHD in my life has led to excitement and even poor decisions that may be adrenaline rushed because something in the chemistry of me always have to do something like super exciting. I was, you know, I'm like a thrill seeker and like my nervous system is wired for that. Right. But it's also it's also that it's what I'm missing in and catching certain things and keeping myself organized and losing an appointment and then everything that life gives me because of that. These are some of the struggles. So, you know, when we have this Medicaid and Medicare, for many of us, and we don't partake in these services that we're entitled to, we're not utilizing this, you know, we don't see it that way. And it's, it's just, it's, it's something that just continues in our communities. So, you know, the other thing is, too, people look at you like you get a check for it. ADHD, you don't get no check for it. And I've argued with people who've insisted, oh, yeah, and I've even, you know, dealt with even family who had made little slick responses, like, well, at least you get a check for her. About our own kids, like, and then you got to be the one, like, all like, you know, seeming like you're super pissed off, and you get defensive with those kind of statements and stuff because it's personal to you, and then your response is kind of putting them on, talking about, like, nah, that's not true. But then people give you that look, like, they still want to believe what they want to believe. They think you're lying at them. It's 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 a very tough place to be as the parent or as the kid, especially the kid. The, the, this kid is like a victim to this and they got to learn ways which kind of brings it back to taking care of ourselves and connecting to mental health you know for me I didn't even have mental health because of like depression or trying to sort certain problems in my life it was how to adjust to working life and finding strategies to keep myself on track and I became so much more a better person that even if those 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 tools that they gave me even if those tools were given to the average person to function better it'll be applicable so these were just easy to understand and that's really what we're facing we're in a neurotypical world people have a typical way of thinking things neurodivergency neurodivergence we think a different way in many other ways so just having something there that makes sense to the person that wouldn't otherwise have it or or have a hard time understanding and being sensitive to that our school systems You know, and and us not being offended when somebody tells us there might be something going on, a delay or, or something with your kid. Because then the other problem is that we also have had a hard time in our communities, right? We grew up with traumas. And so we grew up with trauma and now what's coming out are insecurities, right? The teacher that's looking at us and they're trying to advise us that there's something going on that might need a little more looking into. And we don't hear that. We hear something that offends us. We hear, oh, you calling my kid stupid? Oh, you saying my kid's slow? Like my kid's different? That's what we hear. The traumatized ear hears that. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, we have these fears of our kids being categorized as something or appearing as something. For me and my wife, we found early on with our daughter that, you know, through her grades and marking period after marking period, she'd perform a certain way. And, you know, we'll, we'll communicate with the teacher and ask them questions. What can we do better? And eventually, like, nothing was working. And we started learning about what an IEP was. And even to the point that we had problems within New York City uh, education system. And when we found faults, it, it led us to go get an outside advocate. We paid a bunch of money, you know, to a consultant. We... um. We, we even had to do a GoFundMe and humble ourselves and put money that we had saved that we were going to save to buy a house with. And because, you know, that's pretty much the working class. Like, you know, I was talking before about Medicaid, Medicare, and some people in the hood that they don't take advantage of their, of their um, you know, their benefits. But then there's the working class that, you know, you're not compensated to a certain extent because, you know, you're in a tax bracket. So you got to come out of pocket for a lot of costs and for us that's what we were facing so i had to kind of humble myself and put a GoFundMe together for our family and ask and swallow our pride and ask and people contributed a good amount and we threw on top from our savings and that took all our savings out just so that we can understand how our daughter's um brain was working what was going on with her and um it was a super extensive like two week test that they had it was a super extensive test and um you know, we we went through this. There's places like the Kennedy Center that conduct these tests. So if you have benefits, that's, you know, a direction to go. But for us, you know, we footed this huge bill to like a private specialist. And we had another person that we was paying as an advocate as well. And we went at the school system because the school system wasn't in a position to take care of our daughter's needs. So all to say, it was a long, exhausting, trying period for us. But in me learning about my daughter and her shortcomings, I started realizing for the first time, yo, that's, that's exactly why I was left behind in school. Now, there's other elements to that that made me do so poorly in school. I didn't have nurturing going on at the same time. That probably would have compensated for what I was going through as a kid with ADHD that was undiagnosed. But because at both ends, I didn't have nurturing. And I know I didn't have no diagnosis and no strategies to deal and in school. I just I always gave up before I started. And that's the story for the kid. Like what they're gonna have happen to them if they don't get resources, if somebody doesn't pay attention to how this kid works, what's their strong points, what what areas, you know, people get offended at the suggestion of all that. And the only way to get it done is humble yourself, do it and you do everything for your kids. Your kids are the next generation. They're the next decision makers. Everything, love, war, everything is a decision. So when you really think about it, just us, you know, being in a position that we should take advantage, there's so much implications in it. Crime, you know, poverty, statistics, you know, is just, you know, something that we have to really face. Um, other thing is, too, in our hoods, like, we really don't have ways to deal with it. Look at some, some people, like families, would like to beat it out of you. Right. And I I dealt with that. A lot of my behavior led to ass weapons. Right. But then we have people that also like over spiritualize it. And I witnessed this myself in the church community. You know, I've been a part of churches for for about a decade and um, many different levels. And it's unfortunate that I've seen that kind of spirit of people thinking they can pray this thing away, too, or just kind of ascribing everything to a spiritual or demon or conducting a a certain type of counseling that is not something from a person who has studied the mind and studied. It's just a counseling session with air quotes. And I have a problem with that, especially being a person that came from that community. But some of us do that. Some of us, and it it doesn't even have to be like Orthodox Church. It can also be now a bruja and, and candles and now, you know, somebody's talking to the saints on your behalf. But point is, like, let's stop if we are over spiritualizing it too book book a session like it don't take much to book a session get over that fear something's holding you back it's an excuse cut the excuse out and that's it because we reach for other things to cope because ultimately you're going to need a coping mechanism to live with these things if you don't get a strategy on how to live through these things so that's one of the things that um you know that we face or whatever but you're going to be your kid's biggest advocate and this is for the parents If you learn about this and you see your kid in these descriptions and you make a move on it to support your kids, your kids will also also always see that you are an advocate for them and they would feel it. And that's my experience as a parent, as a father. I got to witness my daughter chewing on her nails with anxiety for school to now utilizing certain tools and and certain conversations we have with child study teams to see what's best and what areas that she can improve and what strategies that we can use to, and to, to, to get over things. And, and good thing from my perspective as a parent is that we have a high schooler, she's in her junior year and she does well in school. And so if I look all the way back at the progression of this little nervous girl that was failing all the time to us realizing there's gotta be something going on and then us learning to what degree what was going on and then at the very same time, I'm learning about myself and seeing myself and my daughter and seeing I was on that road, except instead of being diagnosed, I ended up on the, on the timeline of getting my ass beat for behaviors, for forgetting, for all the things that are symptoms of ADHD. But as for my daughter, I can safely say after all these years of having strategies in place, it's, it's good to know that my daughter has been in a better spot and it's a much better spot than it would have been if, if she never had any of these resources. And so if you want to know about more about these resources, connect to my socials. I definitely would um let you know. Now, in this quest of us finding information out about ADHD and this self-exploratory kind of moment for me where I had these personal realizations, one thing that I've learned about ADHD and its symptoms is that they can often look exactly like, ADHD but it might not it can be trauma so you can have experienced trauma in your life and it will have the same or very similar rather symptoms as ADHD and so i particularly think about that as being a problem because in our black and brown communities we have such a mixture of both we come from trauma and we lack in mental health so we don't take advantage of it we have a lot of the consequence of mental health we got poverty, we got drug use and abuse, people neglecting their health and the instances of like diabetes, bad food choices. How much of that can we say could be ADHD and and not knowing how to balance doctor's appointments that takes some level of organization, not taking your, your routine of pills in a certain time to keep your health in a certain way and because you cannot organize yourself or have some type of structure. See how far ADHD could put you? And so as a parent, like you gotta really realize how far this can take you. ADHD can bring you to the very deep end in a bad way. Kids become cutters, you know, but all those things can also be trauma. And to the household that the kid did have ADHD, but they had to pay the consequence for it, and now they face trauma. So now that kid grows up. That kid had a couple of decades of always being told, you're this, you're that, you can't do this for shit, You always forget that. And just this so negative reinforcement. Right. And then the physical altercations that that kid had to experience as a consequence for their behavior. Right. And you mix those in. You have a a very heavy mix of trauma and ADHD and all these overlapping symptoms that come out. And now this kid has to grow up and play in society. How this all determines how this kid functions in the playground with other kids. It all determines how this kid fares off academically in school. It all determines how this person functions in their job, if they can keep a job. It all determines how much on top of their health they choose to be, if they're going to have some type of recreation and a discipline to keep something going for their own health. The implications of having ADHD and not knowing how to cope with it is extensive and you owe your kids, parents, you owe your kids that much. If if you're so focused on the Amiri fit and these photo ops and you're doing it for the gram, and everybody's trying to out Burberry themselves at the baby shower, understand, and we all doing it for, like, the the optics or whatever. Meanwhile, baby, mama, baby father can't even stand each other. Yo, sometimes the baby father don't even make it to the baby shower. Like, he done been asked a minute ago, it's already not working out. We got to really choose our... You know, we got to choose our partners wisely as well. There's so many complications we're already dealing with, as it is. But for you parents, just understand, whether it's a single mother having a, you know, you, you need a team on your end. It's going to cause you so much, like they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, jump on top of it because the problems you have with that kid, with their behavior, eight years after because you didn't get a diagnosis, is going to wear you out. So you might be, like, thinking it's a lot, it's too much. It's a lot of meetings and setting up and, and a lot of, like, the emotional toll because now you know and now you got to do all these things. It might discourage you from finding any more out or just jumping in because it's a lot of work. I'm not going to try to lie to you. It's work. It's a lot of learning, a lot of reading. You have to commit yourself to understand how your kid functions. But if you don't do it or you take too long to get around certain things, you and or society is going to pay for that kid. And that's the problem. It's almost like we're paying it forward. You know what I mean? But trauma plays itself out in that way too because now society gotta pay, pay for that neglect. You neglected this kid because you didn't figure them out as a parent should. It's not just about these basic, you know, things that you expect from a parent to do, just like feed your kids or whatever like that. But you know what I mean? It's, um, and it's a problem too for like educators. Because like a lot of us can't handle the news or the suggestion. So a school might think that there's something off about your kid, for lack of better words. But they might not have enough courage to approach you. You might not appear approachable. Your demeanor matters in this way. You may be a very harsh speaker and now people kind of tiptoe around you. And they might not put you on because they think you won't take the news well. It's a million reasons why people don't get connected. A lot of us We got to humble ourselves. A lot of it is just chuck the pride aside. A lot of it, fix yourself up so you can see the blessings and the rewards around you. Because if you keep living bitter and abrasive and harsh and defensive and and you expect to control the environment around you before you check yourself and your soul and your heart, you're going to keep on being a problem. And that's trauma. And that's how we pay it forward. But it's difficult for educators to suggest to parents sometimes because of people being that way. You know, parent-teacher grades in the marking period is not enough because by that time your kid already has their grade. You got to get ahead of it. You can't just keep on, you know, come last day of the marking period, you're meeting with the teachers, you get to hear from them, okay, this is what we're going to try to do. After two, three tries to do, if your kid is still falling behind, you're running out of time. You got to get ahead of it. But again, DM me on my socials you want to know a little bit more if this uh resonates with you and you're in this situation or you know somebody in this situation I'd be more than happy to help you and connect you to resources or whatever but um yeah I um and I say just like ultimately when you think about ADHD and talk a little bit about like the result or the consequence that we could face in our communities for the bad right jail how we have to pay for it if we don't take care of it there's many of us who make it and we make it past that point. I'm fortunate to say I'm one of them, and I've managed to, to have certain strategies in life and life experiences that I was able to learn from, some harsh ones as well, but before I got to even connect to mental health, I had certain life experiences and observations and things that's happened to me in the street that allowed me to learn uh, certain lessons even through other people. Like I've seen people go through situations, and I've learned that I don't wanna be in that position ever. You know, and and so I've taken life seriously where at times I I did things without really thinking about the consequence. A lot of the things that I got involved with was fueled by ADHD. My curiousness, like hitting the block is a dopamine rush in itself. You know, being on a block where every day is a different, being on a block with money, you know. and, And at this point, I'm just enticed by the excitement of the block, everything being live, whatever live meant. Right, And it's given me a rush in a way that I never felt because I came from the poverty I did. I came from a household that made me feel like I wasn't believed in. And my school and my grades and the way I performed pretty much proved everything anybody said about me. And you carry that trauma, but you also are all those things because the ADHD. So it's all intertwined, mixing and mixing in. Now I'm on a block and now all the things is pretty cool in front of me, all rolled together. I'm excited. I get my, my rush. Everybody's trooping from this block to that block. Everybody's, you know, fighting for whatever cause. Somebody got jumped. Something happened. And for the thrill, you just you just show up. Things get live than you expect. You know, then you get locked up, you're the bad guy. The story to everybody's that oh, he was with these kids, very two dimensional, but we don't really, you know, go deep into the mind of the kid. Like how many how many times we have to see, yo, I was arrested with fourteen kids and throughout the night at different parts of the night until my mom made it and I didn't see no more. It was a mother coming and looking at her kid and screaming, what the fuck were you thinking? And then the next one and the next one with the same expression. And all of us just there like, it's right, nobody was thinking. No one's thinking of the consequence. How many of those can we think are possibly ADHD? You know, well, it's possible, but there's strategies for us to maintain our lives, a life of living with ADHD. And so for me, I could say in the positions that I've worked, right, and in my professional experience, it's been a nightmare at times where I fall behind. My experience actually with medication was um, (laughs) I obtained obtained some Adderall from another person, so I wasn't even prescribed it at the point. And this is how I knew for a fact for a fact, like if it wasn't enough that I was – Reflecting on my daughter and how she was doing in school, if it wasn't enough that that told me I had ADHD, and I kind of saw the same patterns, I had a co-worker at a at a very intense job that I had. I wore like a bunch of different hats. I was pretty. I was the C. I was the executive assistant to the CEO of an organization. We had all these offsites. There was a lot to manage. I dealt with minutes administratively. I had a lot that I had to do, and go to meetings on behalf of her. So like it was intense and it was perfect for my nervous system because when you work for organizations like hood organizations, now this was, instead of saying hood, I'm going to say this was a, a, a cultural institution, a human resources cultural institution in Spanish Harlem that had been established maybe 60 years ago or so. I just don't remember at the point, but breezing past that. They had their hands in a bunch of stuff. We had, like, senior food on one side. We had school health We had school health programs in different school sites. We had primary care, so we had a dental office. We had a state-of-the-art building that we just got in the millions. We got a $17 million grant from the White House. And so we got all this space. We're in Harlem. We have all these off-sites. I'm running an off-site. I got a million things to keep up and things is not keeping up. And I'm having a hard time. And this is a point where now the boss is on your neck, like, yo, you know, deadline off, deadline off. Now the way my nervous system is, is is, that's a nightmare. Like you get the whole feeling of being flush and panic attack and need to escape to the bathroom for a little bit to get yourself together, make a little text, a phone call to your spouse or whoever for support, because now you got to be in the office with that heat on you. And that's a very uncomfortable feeling. And so to have ADHD and have that kind of experience. Now, that's the standard experience for anybody who's in a hot seat. But for the person who has ADHD, who is now triggered by the thought of themselves and the shame that they have to think of and live with themselves because they know that they're off and they missed the mark and damn, a normal person would have caught that. But me, but me, but me. And the thing that you put on yourself being in that position as a person with ADHD because these are all the feelings and the range of feelings I'm expressing that I have felt myself. So it's extremely frustrating to live that life, to be that person, to work with that kind of frustration, right? My coworker, she catches me with, um, she catches me, I'm, I'm, I'm at my desk and we're sharing an office and you know she suggests to me that she has these pills. And she tells me she has some Adderall. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. She's under pressure as well in her position. So we're both under pressure with the job, right? Different positions, but, you know. So she's like, I'll take one if you take one. So I'm like, you know what? Let me take it. So I take the pill. And I realized that I had been living in a cloud that when this pill actually kicked in, it cleared. But that was my normal. That cloud was my normal. I, I wake up every day, I go to sleep with that cloud. That's just my normal. But when I took the pill, that Adderall, everything went away. So it was like I had no fog. I had such a desire to just do my work, to be productive, to be organized, and the discipline it takes to so just write down your 10 priorities so the ADHD mind is such a mundane thing because you have to now arrange what's more important but why. And then you move it into the second position and then you remember, wait, the thing that's on the fifth position is more important than what I just moved on the second. Oh, gosh. And those little things really wear your brain down. It's exhausting. And 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 it really it boggles you down so much that it becomes such a task and you overthink it. And then you overthink it to the point that you give yourself anxiety. That's what it is to be in the mind of somebody with ADHD, but to clear that is to just have the strongest desire to get things done and the clarity to do it. You feel like a coach going onto the field with the most certain game plan, looking at your people and just saying, this is what we're doing and it's going to work, guys. There's no other option, but we are the strongest. We are the finest. We're more ready than we've ever been. That's the feeling you get looking at that priority list. One, two, three, knocking them out. I'm feeling good every time you get to the next step. I knew it was for me. I knew that there was some... Taking that pill made me more certain than anything that I needed more. And then that kind of goes into the conversation of medication, right? So when we think about the different things that we use, we can have strategies because we have mental health. We have coping mechanism because we're facing our traumas. We're having conversations about, the inner self, you know, we might have life teach us these lessons as well. And we learn from them because we observe. But we're living intentionally, right? And so although we have these strategies that we might be taught when we're taking advantage of of therapy and such, there's also the route of medication. And this was an instance that I took medication and there's an, you know, people are always gonna think oh medication, big pharma and I get it. I'm not one to knock nobody if that's your personal choice of not taking a prescription drug because you feel a certain way. I can say I've taken it for over a decade and I, I can tell you personally the good and the bad. There's probably some implications that I can't speak of that I'll face down the line in one way or another. But is that not the case with anything you do? I mean, if you're like me and, and you're in an economic recession and you're buying great value at Walmart, you're probably running about the same risk anyway, <laughs> if you ask me. But, you know, to, to keep it real... I've taken the medication and I've had more pros than cons. And when I've had cons, I've had conversations with the doctor and I've adjusted my my dosage. And it's just an honest observation. You ultimately have to take control of your life. There's no person with a cape that's going to come save you. And you're going to be your best advocate. You're going to be your kid's best advocate. We were not taught that because our, our parents, most of our, you know, many of us, right, in the hood. We're in the hood for that reason. We're we're now conscious enough that we know that there's these chains that we have to break, and the motivation is it stopping with us and our kids being better, and we have these kind of conversations, whatever. But medication is definitely a route that I would advocate for, but I say you do it like you do with anything you're going to introduce to your body because you'd be a hypocrite if you go ahead and you're like really not into getting this prescription, but then the way you eat you know, kind of shows that you don't care about what you put in your system anyway. So it's like pick your poison, like, you know, what we're really doing here. So, um, but yeah, you don't want your kids to not have either or. So medicine, if that's what it's going to take to kind of supplement them and get their minds right so they could develop these strategies. That was the pro for me. That's how I did it. Therapy, therapy, being able to show you these strategies and show you how to address, you know, the, 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 the way that your mind thinks and how you can overcome certain obstacles that you have and challenges that you have with your mind so that you can, you know, have, have be functional the way that you're expected by society. You're a neurodivergent person. You're not a neurotypical person. You're living in a neurotypical world. And so things, many things, the educational system, systems all around you is not really designed to handle you. And you can be on whatever type of spectrum, but you still have to face society and life is going to go ahead and and, and make you feel bad at times for being who you naturally are. And that kind of leads me to something I, I... I would like to end with when it comes to ADHD, I really think that people need to be sensitive and at their core just as like a rule of thumb when you're interacting with people in service areas and areas where, you know, people are at work or they have to provide some type of service to you, um, customer service, any type of attention where people interact with each other, I just say to be patient and have as much mercy as you could and just as a rule of thumb you tell yourself maybe this person has ADHD. Maybe this person legit that I can't understand. Maybe my, I'm frustrated because this person really doesn't get me, not because they intentionally mean harm and they want to drive me crazy, but this person might have a mental illness. Maybe the type of job, the place I'm going to, whether it's a motor vehicle or a fast food place, there's somebody that really can't articulate themselves well, and you're taking it as rudeness. And so I'm more humble and patient with people not to kind of boast and big myself up, but I think a lot of it comes from seeing my child with ADHD. Many people who have relatives that have disabilities are more sensitive to humanity because they kind of see how they can see in society a, a person at a disadvantage, and you become keen to that. And so me as a person, not only with it, but with a child, I know how to be patient with other kids and be understanding with kids and kind of know how they can get from one place to another. And that way we're not looking at it two-dimensionally. You know, we're looking at it with an empathetic eye. And so what I would say is to challenge yourself And because most of our frustrations really come down to an expectation not met. And so a good way for us to be a good person for society or whatever is to just practice that kind of patience. So if somebody just misses the mark with you, just tell yourself, instead of calling them retarded, tell, tell yourself they, they, they might have a delay. They might have, let's you know, fill in the blank, something. We don't have to know what it is. I'm saying one thing, and they're understanding something different. There's a disconnect. That's all I need to know. And not allow myself to have a certain expectation because you might just be interacting with a person who's on a certain spectrum or somebody that is facing an eviction. And it's super stressed and just they can't afford to not be at work. You get it? So the way that ADHD and trauma can intermingle in the person in our spaces, in our minority spaces, is black and brown. in in all the places we go to and in leadership and what becomes toxic leadership in our hospitals, in our schools, in society. So then on the bright side, too, there's career paths that are easier on neurodivergent kids And so your job as parents not only is that you get these resources, that you have more compassion for society, that you educate yourself and you reflect within to see if there's a trauma that you have to let go. And rule of thumb, if you're not connected to any sort of mental health or something that kind of allows you to reflect, then there's a void there that you got to face. So challenge yourselves to do that. Be patient with folks out there. You never know who you come across, right? please look into these terms of ADHD. You might have a relative. Reach out to my social media. You can send me a DM. If you need any resources, I could point you in a direction. We can have a conversation on IEPs, on what you can do between the schools and what resources are out there, what kind of questions you should be asking the school and such. I'll be open to share my personal experience with you guys. So definitely you connect on that area. But there's many ways that you can guide your kids as well, through all of these things, connect them to mental health, be a nurturing parent, ask questions, establish a relationship with your kid. And that is really at the forefront because in that you're gonna, you're gonna be an advocate for your kid and your kid's gonna learn how to utilize you as a resource as well. You will be an extension in in, in your relationship with that kid. That kid will open up and share every feeling that they have with you, what they're thinking. They'll come to you to help, to ask for help with decisions that they have to make. And you teach them along the way how to be independent, but you have opportunity to speak into their lives and to break these chains so that they continue on life with these tools and strategies to deal with this world so that the world is not so harsh on them. Many times these kids are the kids that are super creative but not organized, and they make it but so far, or they make it with depression, and they don't know how to cope with life. Suicide rates. It's alarming. But... If we don't face this problem, we're never going to fix it. If we don't speak about it and remove the stigma about mental health, if we actually treat it for what it is, a benefit, a plus, then we won't value it. So, guys, on that note, holla at your boy. Thank you for another episode and rocking with me. And, um, you know, subscribe, follow me on all my socials, and thank you for your time. You guys have a good time. Peace.